0: Welcome to Where I Come From, a podcast devoted to Nebraska sports figures and the life experiences that shaped them. I'm your host, Dirk Chatlin. I'm thrilled to bring you a special episode. Bruce Chubbick and Eric Pietkowski, two former Huskers who won more games than any Nebraska basketball player in history. We'll spend the first 40 minutes on Pike and Chubb, and the last 25 minutes will be joined by their coach, Danny Nee.
1: I memorized their name and their statistics and everything else. And every time I played against them, I wanted to go at them so hard that it was like you know people thought it was personal.
2: Like everybody else thinks, and including a lot of the people that were around me in Atkinson, like O'Neill, Ainsworth, Valentine, all these people. Oh, he'll never make it down there. So my thing was. F you guys, I'm going to show you, you're
1: wrong. And I think when the the bus stopped at the French border, Chubbuck ran out of the bus and threw had to throw up at the border.
2: That's probably true.
1: <laughs> Everybody was cheering, it was funny. Yeah.
3: I almost attempted to put garbage cans at each end of the floor and see if I can get someone to throw up. I think of those teams that we had, I mean, holy mackerel. Those were the greatest times of my life.
0: What did you guys think of each other? What was your first impressions of each other? How did you meet?
1: Well, we didn't meet until we were playing in the South Dakota-Nebraska All-Star game up at Mount Marty College in Yankton. And we had already committed to (coughs) be roommates. The coaching staff said, oh, this will be a great idea for you guys to be roommates. And um, so that was the first time we met each other. And then the very next time we uh, saw each other was when he was already moved into the dorms. And um, this is this is funny. He's moved into the dorms, he had all the stuff in there on his little side, and, and I come in, I'm putting my stuff in there. And so he comes in, and he says, says hi to my family, and so on and so forth. And I'm, I'm coming from Rapid City, and he has this big ghetto blaster, ghetto box. And this is when I didn't know anything about rap music. And <laughs> Chubba, he loved Easy e he liked uh, Too Short, he liked uh, N-W-A and he would listen to it non-stop and he had, he had this this ability where he would study and he, he got great grades he would study but he'd have his hand on finished. on the ghetto blaster and he would go ahead and he 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 would play, rewind play rewind play and he would be studying the whole time and he would just play in just hardcore rap you know too short and all that stuff and it was hysterical and I, I was like i called my parents i said you should listen to the music, the music this guy listens to terrible <laughs>
2: And I said, I still, I mean, my, my musical tastes have always been kind of varied, but to me, like the whole basketball and hip hop music is kind of, they're kind of linked. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a, if it's a rhythm thing, if it's a culture thing or what, but I, I still listen. I still have some of those NWA tapes. I still have tapes. Yes, I did say tapes. Um, <laughs> what did you think of him? I, well, honestly, I was uh, the only ex- experience I had getting to know him was at that game, and of course, then I wanted to whip his ass, and they beat us, and so you know, it's like, ah, damn it, you know. South and, Dakota
0: beat Nebraska,
2: yeah, they be, right, you guys, beat yeah, us. it was close though, yeah, it was like it was a tight game. I was coming back off a of shoulder surgery, I shouldn't even have played because I sucked that night, and it wasn't a I didn't represent myself well, so I was not happy about that either, but um,
1: well, I didn't suck, I was MVP, so yeah. I was happy with it, <laughs> uh,
2: and so. You know, I'm just like, what's this guy all about? And I didn't really know that much about him. So I'm just kind of open book. But, I mean, from that from that first meeting, we got to be pretty tight where we'd go everywhere together. You know, we're living the same experience, basically. We're red shirting, We're freshmen. We're fresh-faced rookies or whatever. And then we had – a third guy, Jamie Cole, that lived – we were trying to get a three-man dorm room with the two of us and him because we were all freshmen. We all knew we were going to be red-shirting, but there were no more three-man dorms. So Jamie ended up moving in with Keith Moody. And so Jamie was up on eight maybe?
1: He was a couple floors above Seven bonus. or
2: eight. And Jamie was the barber. So all the football guys, all the baseball guys, all the basketball guys would all go to Jamie's, Jamie and Keith's room. That was like barbershop, man. There'd be two or three deep in there waiting to get their hair cut.
1: Boy, well, he would shave stuff in our head, too. Like <laughs> we we he had these, these god-awful hairdos. He would shave our head, and he'd shave designs in there and everything else. And I remember my parents came the first time down. And
0: they're like, do what do? the hell did you do to your hair? <laughs> Maybe the low point of Nebraska basketball, of the knee era, was, was going out to Wyoming in January of 1990, and Danny had scheduled this game for Kelly Lively, who was from Torrington, Wyoming. Right. The and they guy. went out there 48 hours after losing to Oklahoma State, I think. And as Danny s- tells the story, uh, they're, they're staying in a hotel and there's like wind and snow blowing in through the doors and windows. <laughs> and it was just a nightmare. And you guys are listening to this as Nebraska falls behind 31-4 to against Wyoming. I would love to have been in your dorm room at that point. Uh, listening to your commentary uh, <laughs> what, what were you thinking about what you had had gotten yourselves into
1: well I mean it's a little bit of shock and disbelief because you, you, you always think when you start the season and you practice and you think you're gonna be this awesome Great team guy. and you're gonna be better than you actually are and uh, uh, you, you start doubting. did I make the right decision and are we not as good as we think we are and uh, you know and this, and this goes back even one more year my senior year in high school when I committed to Nebraska I think Nebraska. I was so excited. They were on TV and they were playing at Ohio State. And they had like Treg Lee and they had, they, they were they were stacked I that year. I that and it was the same type of deal where I'm looking. I'm like, uh oh, they we, they were down 30 points right from the get go. And it was on national TV. And I'd been bragging everybody, yeah, I'm going to be a Husker and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, it was it was it definitely was the low point.
2: Yeah, and I I well same for me except I don't remember that game specifically. I do remember. I think they were in the, one of the Hawaii tournaments that year, I think Rainbow Classic or whatever, and they played Villanova. And I, Rich King was playing pretty well, but I think he got in foul trouble and it just went pff, downhill after that. But I'm like, well, you know, we can come in and help and make things better. And, and then you're listening to us getting crushed. By, and let, let's be fair about it too. Wyoming was not a bad – they had athletes. They, right. they had some talented people, but not 30 points better than you talented, maybe five or six.
0: How many calories did you consume per day as, as true freshman at Harper Hall? Jesus, I mean,
1: it was it was our basically. I looked at it as though it was our job. Right. I mean, it was like, hey, if we're not going to play basketball this year, and they told us if you want to play next year, you guys need to get bigger and stronger. You need to Boy, put weight on. So I mean, it was it was big breakfast, big lunch, it was big dinner, it was stuff in between, and like we were talking earlier, it was it, if it wasn't pizza shuttle, it was it was McDonald's, it was. It wasn't. Amigos. We weren't worried about fat. It was all about calories. As yeah. so many calories as you can get in you. What'd you come in at? I was six foot six, 160 pounds when I arrived. Wow. And, and at the end of the year, I put on 50 pounds.
2: And I was six seven, 195, and I put on about 30 by the end of the first year. I would say I don't know 4,500 maybe calories, because we had we probably had 2,000. No, it's probably more than that. It's probably more like five or a little bit more because we we would eat two meals which I don't know about Eric but I bet you my meals were 2,000 each and then they threw in those those protein or meal replacement shakes or whatever they were which they usually gave to people trying to watch their weight for us they had us drink them and they tasted terrible
1: they were awful yeah
2: they were they were bad they've, they've
1: come a long way since, yeah. <laughs> uh, since 1990 I can tell you that I, you
2: shakes. just choked them down though because it was you know and then live in the weight room basically and that's you know we worked we worked hard in the weight room
0: you guys um i mean I, i've had long conversations with both of you individually and and your your dads were both a big part of your story um eric you were you were in scotts bluff until uh my freshman year I freshman year high there, school yeah. uh-huh. your dad was a was a professional player he was yeah um and bruce your dad was a coach um and and you guys would i mean you were you were kind of doing the same things only you know in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric, you were playing in, in a driveway in Scottsbluff, Bluff, Nebraska. Uh, Bruce, you were playing uh, in Council Bluffs all by yourself in a driveway. And Before that, I
2: was shoveling snow off of a little pad so I could jump off of the snowbank
0: and dunk my first dunks, yeah. <laughs> in, in Council See, of in, Bluffs in, or Montana? Montana. Montana. Uh, yeah. uh, what was the – is this just what you always wanted to do?
1: Well, I mean, I think my – Seventh grade typing teacher uh, at parent-teacher conferences was annoyed with me because I, I informed her I didn't need to learn how to type because I was going to be a professional basketball player. So <laughs> she said that I, I had a screw loose in my head, and uh, and you know, I'm sure every every kid. I mean, when I go drop my daughter off today, the, all the kids were wearing Steph Curry jerseys and you know the whole outfit and whatnot. But uh, it, it was my it was my goal, and I, I I was I was much more driven. You know, I tell my son right now, and I tell these other kids, I was like I thought basketball 24 hours a day and that's all I ever wanted to do and uh, you know I, I think that having that drive carried through to college and that was part of you know just saying okay I'll red shirt but I'm gonna I'm gonna make the best of every single second and every single minute of this so I can get to where I want to be how did you learn to shoot uh, just I, I, I it's like anything I think I, I think it's great to learn the, the correct mechanics and then it's once you have the right mechanics, and they don't have to be perfect because shoot, you can look guys in the NBA; they don't have perfect mechanics. A lot of them that are great shooters, but then it's just repetition and living in the gym and doing it over and over and over and over. Um, you know, I it's any great shooter will tell you. you you can't be a great shooter by not spending a lot of time in the gym. The and thing,
2: go ahead. To to his point, the kids that I coach now, one of my kids, I'm driving him home the other night, and uh, I've been working with him on big man moves, and my dad and I spent literally hundreds of hours in the gym working on these same moves I'm showing these kids. And this kid said, you know, coach, I really need to work on these moves other than when you're working on them with me. And I said, yeah, no, no shit. Yeah, you do. You're not working on them when we're not working. No, no, I I need to though. I'm like, yeah, you really do. Because it doesn't I mean that's to his point. It's like the kids now think they want that, but you got to pay them pay the price yeah i mean nothing comes easy as far as you know what you're going to do athletically whether it's basketball track football whatever you got to
0: work well and that's how in in some ways you're being in remote places relatively remote i would imagine that sort of helped you in ways too because there wasn't a lot of distractions probably for i mean you you could devote yourselves to becoming better basketball players
1: well and and I think the biggest problem is these video games today. I mean, the, the kids are absolutely addicted. If it's not the phone, it's 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 the Nintendo Wii or it's the Xbox or whatever. I mean, they just, they're absolutely obsessed with it. And it takes so, I didn't have any of that stuff. I guess I had an Atari, but that was really boring because it wasn't very good <laughs> yeah, it wasn't quality, you know, so then you go play. But nowadays it's like, I think, and I, I hear it from all the parents are like, I can't get my kid away from the video games and the phone. And
0: uh, we, we didn't have that. Your uh your experience was really interesting because you moved to South Dakota. You moved to Rapid City. Uh your dad was a uh, what was his what was his occupation? Uh he's a sales rep for an International Paper Company. Okay. So you moved to Rapid City and you get hooked up with with sort of one of the first AAU programs yes. of South Dakota. Yeah, the Rapid City Rattlers. <laughs> and you started going to to tournaments um, in all over the Midwest, it was it was pretty amazing what this guy
1: did. It was a, he was a high school teacher and he went ahead and he kind of just took all the best kids from the kind of uh, Rapid City area, and it was the kids that didn't play baseball because baseball's huge up there, as you know, post 22 and, and their history what, whatnot. But uh, we would we would get we had to travel there. We'd play a couple games in Rapid uh, Rapid City, but for the most part, it was it was Kansas City. It was we went to Jonesboro, Arkansas. They went out to Los Angeles uh you know we would we would go play in these tournaments and it, the exposure was absolutely amazing in fact i remember we were at the aeu national tournament and i mean uh we walk in i see jimmy jackson there i see uh, uh all these guys that i end, end up being friends with in, in the in the nba they were all there at these big time tournaments and uh we play our first game we walk into a, a wendy's and jonesboro Arkansas, is not a big city so i think arkansas state's there mm-hmm. uh we're sitting there and uh at that point in time, I don't know, if now it's probably a recruiting violation, but Lynn Mitchum and uh, Gary Borgen, the, the two assistants for Danny, are sitting at the table right next to us. And Lynn, Lynn Mitchum kind of shakes his head at me and he says, hey, how you doing? He goes, you played really well today. And I said, oh, thank you. And then he, he, he reaches over and he hands me his, his, his little business card, because I didn't know who they were, who they were from. And uh, lo and behold, uh, bef- before I get home from Arkansas, because we had to drive all the way back home, I already started getting recruiting letters from Nebraska. And they Mm. saw me there because they sure as heck probably wouldn't. Nowadays, they find everybody through the Cube and all these recruiting services and everything else. Mm. But that's where I got a majority of my exposure Mm. because they sure as heck weren't coming to uh, South Dakota at that point in time.
0: And you were, uh, another fascinating part of your story, you would basically, you'd keep tabs on all the other top prospects like in Street and Smith Magazine and and places like that. That was the Bible. You'd sort of get obsessed with this stuff, right?
1: Well, I was, not only was I obsessed with it. It would it would be like uh, I, I was a, I got to go to the Nike ABCD camp and that was supposedly the top hundred some players in the country in high school, and I outlined all the guys that and I memorized their name and their statistics and everything else. And every time I played against them, I wanted to go at them so hard that it was like you know people thought it was personal.
0: Your experience, uh, your da- your parents had you when you when they were really young, yeah. and your dad was still playing a he lot. Was,
2: yeah, he was playing in college when I was. Toddler or whatever you want to call it. So you basically grew up watching him play, and then you know after he, which I think Eric's dad did too, but after he stopped playing in college, he did a lot of uh, town team tournaments and city leagues and stuff. And so, you know, he'd be like, "Hey, you want to go with me?" And I'm like, "Do I get to shoot too?" He said, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Okay, let's go." So I'm watching him play, and I'm keeping stats and who scored what and rattling off statistics when I'm six or seven years old to tell me how to count.
0: <laughs> but but you guys – I mean, you both kind of had a – I mean, I guess the assumption from my perspective is you would come into the Division One level with, with a pretty big inferiority complex or at least insecurity about, man, I'm from small town Nebraska or, or Rapid City, South Dakota, and you didn't really have that
2: no I think well I can't speak for Eric but I think for me it was the exact opposite of that it's like everybody else thinks and including a lot of the people that were around me in Atkinson like O'Neill Ainsworth Valentine all these people oh he'll never make it down there so my thing was F you guys I'm gonna show you you're wrong and so that was I'm like I know what I can do and I know I can be successful at this at this level and then you know, you go through a redshirt year, and you know Eric was playing a lot when we were redshirt freshmen, and I was warming the bench a lot. And my butt kept the bench nice and warm over there, and every once in a while, I got off and got a chance to, to do something. But you know, I had people calling up saying, "You suck. You shouldn't have come here. You're not good enough to play." Leaving messages on the machine and stuff. Really? Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Um, and your a lot of your confidence came from from your dad, I think, didn't it? I I, I don't know. I just you know. <clears throat> not to sound arrogant, I just, at
1: every level, I was the best player. And I just, I wanted it. And I was not intimidated by anybody. You know, even when I was in college, you talk about Street and Smiths. Like, when we were in college, when it came out, and they put uh, Rex Walters from Kansas on the cover, it drove me absolutely insane. I'm like, I am so much better than that guy. And I'm going to show him the next time we play. And I I was going at him every single time I touched the ball. And I always outscored him. And I was just like, I'm like, I, I thought I was better than everybody, and I didn't have an infor- inferiority complex by any means. It was part of his gift, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it is, if, if, especially if you're, you got the ability to back up the confidence thing. I mean, that's, with our guys, there's a, like the guys that I coach at South, there's a fine line between being arrogant and full of yourself and just being able to back up a lot of confidence. And I think as long as you don't cross the line, that's that's all right. As long as you can back it up, go for it, you know. I don't like showing up the other team, but I don't think you did that. Not that no. I recall. I don't. You, you didn't do anything to try to uh, embarrass your opponent. It's just like, I'm going to show you I'm better than you. And to me, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Eric, what, what stands out to you? What are the moments that stand out to you about about that arena in those four years like what are the things that really come back well i mean obviously it's uh the big games
1: are are stuff that stick out in my mind but there's other a lot of little stuff there's there's the the hours being there all by yourself when it's pitch dark outside and uh the night watchman you're banging on the door and dawn opens the door for you and you turn some music on and you're out in there for an hour and a half shooting by yourself uh there's all the training sessions there's a uh, guys throwing up in preseason because Danny's trying to run run us to death. <laughs> the one um,
0: the one eleven one, right? Yeah, th-
1: those things. Oh um, you know, and then, you know, I was thinking on the way down here today, um, you know, just what basketball has given like me and a lot of the guys in, in life. Um, you know, I, I was thinking. We we got to go uh, to San Juan, Puerto Rico for the San Juan Shootout, and that was the year we were twenty six and eight. We didn't know how good we were going to be. Yeah. lost in the championship of that game, and but that was just absolutely an amazing time because you're there body for like an entire on week. Thanksgiving. We're body surfing on Thanksgiving, and then one year for Christmas, we're in Hawaii playing in in uh, the Hawaii the Rainbow Classic when Kansas was there. Fab Five. Fab Five was there, um, and North Carolina was there. There was like three of the top five teams in the Lindsay country. Lindsey Hunter was. Lindsey Hunter for dropped fifty on Kansas yeah. the first night. Hey, really uh, yeah, yeah. And, and they almost beat them yeah. um, so I mean we're, we're, Christmas Day I wake up and I'm on a pay phone calling my parents and watching the waves uh, crash in on uh, Waikiki Beach uh, Me and then, too and
2: it was three at home yeah. that day and was, I'm like oh it's 78 here so too bad for you
1: <laughs> no, we, we went to Europe for two weeks yeah we were in uh, where we were, we were in we're Belgium. Belgium we were in France and then we ended up in London and I mean that that was the stuff where hey what happens on the road can stay on the road and there was there was a couple wild nights there. It was it was okay a good time.
0: okay. This is in the this is in the project, but uh, this is the classic night where Bruce wasn't playing because he had a broken foot. That's right. Uh, you guys go out one night in Belgium uh, after a game Antwerp, Antwerp, and uh, he tries to keep up with Danny Knee.
1: Bad decision.
0: <laughs> I'll remember this.
2: <laughs> bad bad decision. Coach Knee was a pro, and I was an amateur. So, yeah, that didn't end well for old Bruce. If
1: I remember correctly, so we took a bus the next morning to France. We did. And I think when the the bus stopped at the French border, Chubbick ran out of the bus and threw had to throw up at the border. That's
2: probably true.
1: <laughs> everybody was cheering and it was funny. Yeah, I, that's probably true.
2: I don't remember specifically. And
0: Danny's line was?
2: His line was? if you're gonna stay out hooting with the owls, you gotta be, at night, you gotta be able to get up and soar with the eagles in the morning.
0: Yep, that's right.
2: (laughs) And I was like, yeah, funny coach. (laughs)
0: Uh, You remember, you remember Weber and Howard and these guys walking into the gym? Oh yeah, uh, and basically taunting you guys the, the the day before the game, right? They were w-
1: they had their headphones on and
0: they were shaking their
1: heads, saying, "Oh yeah, these guys wanted us. They asked to play us first. Okay, you wanted us. You're gonna get us." And they were shaking their heads, and and you know it's funny. Uh, I got to play with a bunch of these guys in the NBA, like Jalen Rose. I played with him. And he was a great friend of mine when I was down in Phoenix, and. Uh, And they still, and it's funny when you ask them, they remember all that stuff and we laugh and it's fun to go ahead and reminisce and talk, you know, 20, 30 years after that happened.
0: Yeah. Um, What about you, Bruce? What are the moments that that really stand out from, from the Devaney Center especially?
2: From the Devaney Center. Well, the crowds, uh, I was asked about this after they changed the seating thing. The thing I always loved about when we played there was the students would fill in all the bleachers on the down, the, the lower bowl. So the bleachers all around the court were them. And they're the ones who make the most noise anyway. And you were surrounded on all sides by students and they were taunting the other team. They were, you know, we had football players yelling stuff at guy like, Oh yeah, you think you're bad. You know, you better not fall out of bounds down here. And you know, things like that. And, um, when they changed that seating arrangement in the I thought that was a huge mistake, but because you replaced all the rowdy students with people who cheer but make very little noise and are not very intimidating. And I know it's a money thing, but I enjoyed the fact that those students were around us. And, you know, when you look up and you see people all the way to the ceiling, that was pretty cool.
0: Can you tell me about going to the Hearn Center and the antlers? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, what that was like. So,
1: here's my first experience of the antlers. So, we, we fly down. We're, I don't know if, if I was red-shirting or you, you were You went this. on the road, yeah. Okay. So, I go on the road and we land. And, you know, it's just, we land outside of town this little private airstrip. And it's pitch black. It's, it's late at night. And all, we're pulling out of the airport. And all of a sudden, all these pickup trucks come flying up. And they surround the, uh, the bus. And the guy in front slows down really, really slow. And all the antlers are in there. And they're flipping us off and giving us the fu and this and that. Guys are hanging out the back of trucks, they're pounding on the bus. And the bus driver's only allowed to go in like 20 miles an hour. And they do this all the way into town, all the way to like the Holiday Inn where we were staying. And I thought when, when they finally got to the Holiday Inn, if they would, didn't take off in their trucks, the bus driver was going to kill them. He was beside himself mad. And I, I didn't want to get out of the bus. I was like, geez, these people are crazy down here. Mm. and. Uh, so so that happens and then the next day we get in there and when they finally open up the doors, we're shooting around down there. And the Hern Center was it was steep. Straight it went up, straight man. up. And it was it was it was a cool atmosphere. So I'm shooting down there and uh all of a sudden they're the first ones in the door and they come screaming and they're yelling and they have their they have all papers, their paperwork. Papers. They got all kinds they of stuff. They did research. Yeah, they there. had research on every single player and it was funny. Yeah. The stuff they were saying, we were dying laughing.
2: Poor Jamar, they like Wow, was that when we were seniors? it was one of the years that Jamar- 92. 92. 92. They were like, because of the Prop 48 thing, they yeah. were on him about Jamar where there's a will, there's an A and hooked on phonics really works. And I was like, Jesus, that's brutal.
1: They, they, it was fun. The one where they're killing, I looked at Tom Best and he was crying on the bench laughing. And I said, I, I said, what's so funny? He goes, you don't understand what they're saying. And they all had their hands over, over, their, over their hair. And they were going, forehead, forehead, and <laughs> they were talking about me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's messed up. <laughs>
2: uh, they, they came up with I, – I do remember, though, was it our sophomore year that we, we won both games? We beat them home and down there. Junior year. No junior Junior year. And they were talking shit the whole time. And so, Pike and I leave the floor – going, woohoo sweep, sweep, we're sweeping. And they're like, fuck you,
0: you guys suck. Let me give you a great story here. This is from Jeff Smith. Uh, one of the first years that Smitty was on the staff, There's uh, there's a, he says a real nice kid comes up. He's got this poster he wants Danny to sign before the game. It's kind of folded up, and Danny says, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and Smith is like, god dang, that's kind of rude. So later I look across the way, and the kid's holding up the sign, and it's unfolded, and it's, it's, it's a devil picture of Danny. <laughs> <laughs> he knew. <laughs> yeah, so he da- knew. Danny was pretty savvy about those things. Yeah,
2: that's funny. Yeah, so, so, Coach was justified on that
0: one. Yeah. So, you go down there in 94, and you lose what I think is the most heartbreaking game of that whole era. Um, some crazy calls in the last minute. Eric's got a 30-footer that spins out at the buzzer. <laughs> uh, what was that day like? You, said, you told me, Bruce, that you still think about that game.
2: Yeah, and I, I think about it in two different ways. I think we – I felt like we got – definitely got the poor end of the calls. I think uh, we had – it was a three-man crew. We had two guys. Strickland got called for a block or a charge where two guys had it one way and Stan Reynolds, who was a Missouri, Missouri graduate, had it the other way and they went with Stan's call. And I'm like, come on, really? Then I remember on our sideline or in front of Missouri's bench, Jerron gets pushed out of bounds, two-hand push. I mean, it's obvious. It looked like a football block. Goes out of the court, though, with the ball, and they say, yeah, he's out of bounds, Missouri ball. And I'm like, really? Are you kidding me? And, and then, you know, the, the shot rimming out at the end. And I, I've, I've seen that game again. Tom Best had a hell of a game that day. I think he had, like, 12 rebounds and 15 points or something played really well down the stretch and
0: just but that moment really propelled you guys over the next seven days to win the Big 8 tournament
2: yeah we wanted their ass for that we thought that they got a lot of help we wanted to get their ass for for what we felt was an injustice by <laughs> the the officiating crew, and you know it's easy too to say oh, they, they got us. Well, if we'd have been far enough ahead, the calls wouldn't have mattered. But it is what it is.
1: Well, when we played them a week later in the semifinals. I don't remember even being very a, close, a very close game. We handed them handled them very easily. It
2: was it was it was uh, 98-91 was the final I think, and we. It, I've watched that a few times, well, probably five or six times through the years. And, and uh, we were, I don't think we were ever in doubt of losing the game, right? but we could never get it to like where it was 12 or 15 points. It was always eight, nine, 10, sure. Back down to fo- four or five. It seemed like we always had them by possession or two. Though. And
0: that was their only loss yeah, that in year the in, in the conference. Yeah. That might've been the best game you guys ever played.
2: It was pretty good. And it was, I mean, everybody who played contributed, too. If you go back and look, like uh, Melvin Brooks came in and made a couple of huge play. I think he had a hell of a big uh, dunk and a block that was crucial down the stretch. Tom was playing really well and got into it with Kelly Thames. Yep. Head-butted yep. him. Do you remember <laughs> I, that? I don't remember that. He got a technical, and I think that was it was a personal, too. So he got his fourth foul, and then he came in later, and they called him for some little fifth foul, and he was out. And-
0: but I think the I think the moment people remember most about that tournament is is Eric getting 42, the the Big Eight tournament record. And what people don't know about that is he was v- well aware of what the record was. I this,
1: I, I told Danny he, he looked at Mick Jose on the bench, and uh, he said, he said he's, he's getting ready to break the the uh, Stacy King's re- record. And Danny says well, he goes, "What
0: the fuck is it?" And I said, "38." He knew because you kept track of stuff like that I know know exactly what it was
2: And the guys who were doing the game were like Is is Pajkowski gonna hit 40 And he stopped and hit like probably 27 foot three pointer He's got 42 It was just hilarious It was like you know he's gotta shoot that For 40 we're gonna win anyway at that point Why not you know go for it
0: Two days later uh, you beat Oklahoma State You celebrate in Kemper Arena You board a bus back for Lincoln, and I can only imagine what that bus ride was like. uh, And walking into the Devaney Center to uh, to 5,000 fans, that was as good as it ever got. Can you guys describe those few hours?
1: I was tired. I think I slept most of the way home. It was a lot of emotion for the the entire three days, and we were so excited to be there. And it was such a big run, and you know. The way we played, it, when you look at those numbers, like he just said, it was 98-91 or whatever. I mean, that, that's a lot of points. It, it, it was up and down. We were a real run-and-gun team at that point in time. Yeah. So I think most of the players were physically exhausted from the long weekend. But um, I, I do remember I woke up right about the time we were getting into Lincoln, and I was, I was in shock at the amount of people that were lining the road from – it was like, that was when Lincoln kind of start, stopped like 56 on Highway 2. Yeah. And like starting right about there, it was like, there was, the, the, the roads were just lined and yeah. there was police cars everywhere and taking us down to the Devaney. I was like, what the hell's going
2: on? Actually, as soon as we crossed the border, cause we stopped at McDonald's in Nebraska city. And there was people starting in like at the border in Nebraska city, I'm like, holy hell. I figured people might be excited about it, but wow, you know, and. <laughs> one of our, you, you know who who this is, but one of my uh, one of actually Rich King's good buddies came up to me and he goes, you know, I'm really glad you guys won. And I said, yeah, me too. And he goes, no, you don't understand. I'm really glad you guys won. And I said, and why is that? And he goes, because you were an 8-to-1 underdog and I, I bet a good amount on you.
0: And <laughs> that was, was the night before.
1: Yeah. Uh, you went out at Westport with, with Strickland. Strickland. Yeah. yeah, did you know that? No, I didn't know that.
2: So, so Strick is that He's at the hotel and he's looking like he's nervous. He's a little tense and he's like, he goes, "Chub, my mom, my mom's got her car here." He goes, "If I get the car, will you go with me? Can we, like, will you go with me out?" And I go, "Out where?" And he's like, "Out ah, to Westport." And I'm at this point, I'm thinking, "Shit, we got a game to win." Yeah, I'll go with you because I got to make sure you get back home and everything's good. Who is watching me? Well, that's another story. But um, we went to Harpo's. Yeah, and all the the. Missouri people we had just beaten them and they're like oh you assholes you're gonna go out and lay an egg tomorrow blah 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 and really it was just to get out of the hotel kind of clear your mind and think about something else for a couple hours so we we only I think we only stayed about an hour and people are like you're here getting drunk I'm like no we're having a drink one drink and then we're leaving and that's it you know and so and that's what we did we we did that went back and that was that but he asked me about that the other day. He goes, you remember that? I said, hell yeah, I remember that because the Missouri people were giving a shit the whole time we
0: were there. You guys, um, you know, you've gone on to do some some cool things in your life, but but how do you look back on those four years and especially in the context of, you know, the fact that Nebraska's never, never matched it?
1: Well, I, I mean, I, I hope and pray that they, they blow away with what, what we did. I mean, it's just with uh the, the facilities that they have down there right now the the support that they get at pinnacle bank i mean I, it's it's a great atmosphere it's probably one of the best in the big Ten, and uh you know i'm so happy with the success that tim's having this year and you know it, you, you, you can't have success unless you have the talent and he, he finally this year with you know palmer and roby and, and and having some big bodies in there it looks like the future could be bright for them um i i'd, I'd love for them to to go to the NCAA tournament and have great success there and win games, go to the Sweet 16, have a chance to, to move on and, and just get this off their back because uh, it's, it's been way too long.
2: Yeah, I'd, I would like to see the program be successful again. It would be important to me to see Nebraska do well uh, sometime in the near future, hopefully, and get back and do that again. But looking back, I mean, just like, like, like Jerron, I communicate with Jerron every once in a while, with Jamar, I, I talk to him every now and then badge. I used to see every weekend cause we played together on Sundays and those guys are still like my brothers that not my biological brothers, but they're, you know, they're guys that if they came up today, I'd give them a big bear hug. Like we never had been apart for these last 20 years. It's special when you play with guys that you actually like. And, and I, uh, I said that Bo got pissed off at me because I was interviewed one time when I was a senior and I said to me this is a better team and I said it like that, a better team than when we were freshmen and Bo said, oh come on Chubb he goes, I'm with you on most stuff but Jesus, we had way more talent and I go, no, 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 you're not understanding I didn't say talent, that team by far was the most talented but we weren't together, we weren't a team We, we had this little click over here and this little click over here and this little click over here if we could have come together and just work for the common goal on the court, you go your own way off the court if you need to or whatever, I think we could have we could have made a run. We could have made a deep run. But we, just, we, were, we were fragmented. Guys had, I don't know, jealousy issues and things like that, and I didn't really think we had a lot of that when maybe I'm delusional, but I didn't think we had a lot of that when we were seniors. Hmm. Maybe not the same talent, but more cohesiveness.
0: Your uh, last thing, I think both of your both of your perspectives on Danny have evolved a little bit. Um, I know yours has. C- can you describe maybe how you look back on this? Maybe the most interesting sports character that I've that I've ever been around in Nebraska. Uh, just in terms of the. The entertainment value, the nuance, the past experience that he had—I mean, uh, how do you, how do you put Danny Knee into context?
1: Now, Danny, Danny would would probably be the first one to tell you he wasn't the smartest guy in the world. He wasn't an X and, X and O's guy. Uh, I, I think it's funny when people say, our, especially our senior year, they're like, "We didn't really know how to prepare for you because you guys didn't really run any plays, and we didn't." He, he rolled the ball out there and told us to play basketball. And we did. We, we, we just we set back screens. We, we cut to the basket. We, we were running gun. And uh, Danny really, really works for some players. And he doesn't work for some, a lot of other players, you know? Um, he, he's, he can be a great coach if he has the right type of players around him. But if he doesn't have the right type of players around him, it's not going to work out very well. And uh, he, the one thing I tell everybody as I was, you know, and granted, a lot of it was his assistant coaches. But he, that guy recruited. There were some talented players oh, yeah. that came through there, which Nebraska didn't really have the last so many years. We've, they've been really struggling, and now they're bringing those talented guys in here. They're, we got guys that are long. I mean, this Isaiah Roby has a seven-foot-three wingspan, and he's just wreaking havoc with all kinds of teams that they're playing. But Danny Nee, every single year, whether he was bringing in uh, transfers or junior college guys, the freshman group, they were there were some really talented basketball players in there. Hmm.
2: And I thought, like, to, to Eric's point, you had Lynn Mitchum, who was a great recruiter. You had Gary Bargan, who was a great recruiter. You had Jeff Smith. Smitty was kind of the, if you want to call it, that defensive coordinator. And Bargan was the offensive coordinator. And Mitchum was kind of the glue that helped guys that were struggling with homesickness and, you know, you know whatever else. He was kind of that guy. And i tell you what, Lynn Mitchum told me as a parent if your son comes to nebraska i'll make sure he's looked after i knew he was looked after because that's the kind of guy he was um so you've got that which is a great that's a great job by the head coach to assemble that staff because if you've got those guys under you you're you're the overseer you don't have to be the, the best x and o guy because you've got this guy who's a hell of a defensive mind you got this guy who's a hell of an offensive mind you let them do. Yes, you're gonna. You want your input. No, I don't want to do that. I'd rather do this, but you let them do. You let them go. You empower them. And I think I think he did a pretty good job of that, looking back. And you can't do everything as a head coach. I think, and I love Doc. Um, I thought a lot of Doc, but I thought that was one of his biggest mistakes. Was he tried to do too much? He didn't have those guys that he could lean on. That could be the great recruiter. That could you know, help him out with the offense or the defense and let him kind of float between. I didn't feel like he ever had that. And I think that at the end ended up being to his detriment and that's why he didn't stay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do, I see they have some talented guys in here now. And I see, like Eric said, our senior year, we, we had guys who knew how to play basketball. I think that that's what's going on this year is not the last few years. It's, it's had to be X's and O's and, they weren't able to beat teams when you had to line up and beat them X's and O's, but this year you've got a bunch of guys who know how to play basketball. They change defenses that f- keeps teams off balance, and that's that's helped them be successful. But the personnel—if the personnel's not there—you can't do those things. It doesn't work.
0: So, Danny, are you there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Danny, I'm sitting here with two of your uh, two of your favorite players. I know that.
1: That's great. <laughs> Coach, how you doing?
0: I'm fantastic. I haven't
1: heard your voice for a long time.
2: How you doing, yeah, Coach? Thanks. Hey, Bruce, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Keeping up with Patrick on the uh, on the old Facebook apparatus. It looks like the okay. he's done a yeah. done a good job down there. Yeah, he's trying. He's struggling a little bit. They lost the other night, but he, he really is into
3: it, Bruce. He he kind of wants to be a coach, and I try to talk him out of it, but it's he's gonna do it. <laughs> He's gonna do it. Hey, it's great talking to you guys. When Eric told me, I started. I'm sitting here looking at stats and some some books on your write ups and stuff. And I didn't realize that you know that first year there, you played on that really good team with Rich King and, and all those guys.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. That was our well. We, we we After your redshirt year. Yeah, after our red shirt year. That that year the redshirt year we struggled a little bit, but the next year yeah, it was
3: Yeah.
2: It was Tony and Tony, Bo, Rich, Cliff. Yeah,
3: but the, I mean what a great people to learn from. I mean, you know, Bruce, you're going against Tony every day made you a better player later on when you were a junior and senior. There's no doubt in my mind
2: on that. Absolutely. I mean, because
3: he was a beast. you know what I mean, he was one of the better players we've ever had. It was too bad we only had him for a year, but I mean, that's Tony's deal, you know? He couldn't shut
2: up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, couldn't, he couldn't control himself. <laughs> hey,
3: Pike, you know, when I look back on this year, you know, I was thinking of two things that I was looking through the, you know, the media guide a little bit. I don't have all of them. And twice, you guys murdered Oklahoma. You know what I mean? You did it in your freshman year. You know, we went out there and beat them in overtime in the Big A tournament, and then, I guess, was it your junior year or your senior year that you dropped 40 on them and we won the Big Eight
1: tournament? It was my senior year, and there's 42, Coach. Come on, senior. get it right. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. I mean,
3: you know, and I'll tell you, I mean, I was looking at the stats, Bruce, and how you, you had really bad luck. What happened? Did you break your foot twice?
2: Yeah, my sophomore year, I broke it. Um, we were running on the track. I don't know if you remember that. We yes, were, yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that, I yes. broke broke my foot the last day of september had uh surgery october 1st and i think we started like november 15th and i said you know jack nicolite was our trainer at the time and i said what's my what's my diagnosis and he said six to eight weeks you need to be out six to eight weeks i said well let's make it six so that was the the goal was to get back by the the time we played a real game and i i was actually because we played i don't know and then so was that your freshman year? That was or my your sophomore year. My sophomore year. And eligibility wise, it was your freshman year. No, it was it was my sophomore year, and then after the season was was when I broke it the second time, and it was with a screw in the bone. And yeah, Dr., I remember that. Doctor Dugan <laughs> is the one who did that surgery. He said he'd never seen it before.
0: So. Hey, Danny. Danny, uh, you, dis- yeah, you you described to me. Um, you described to me the play that Chubbuck's block against Kansas.
3: No, no. no let Bruce describe it. I, uh, Pike, you're to get there to me on this. I think it was the best effort play ever in the Devaney Center. This is, that's my opinion of it. I mean, in, in the importance of the game, the time in the game, the score. Now, I'm not talking about the best shot. Like, like you know, uh, Bo Reed hit a Michigan State shot. Uh, uh, Keith Buchanan hit a shot that beat Kansas.
2: Um, oh, who else? Uh, oh, Jamar. I'm trying to think. Jamar. Yeah, there was Jamar. all sorts of crazy, you know,
3: great shots that you, you, you know I mean? were made. But, Bruce, I'll, I'll tell you, man, tell me exactly what time in the game. Was that in overtime or in regulation?
2: It was in regulation. And
3: Jam- Okay, now, how much time is
2: left on the clock? Uh, Probably. And what happened? Like seven or eight seconds. Jamar tried to shake. Yeah, Jamar tried to shake loose for a jump shot and couldn't I think it was Steve Woodbury. Couldn't get enough separation from Woodbury. He blocked the uh-huh. shot. It bounces over to Alonzo J Jameson. And That's what I remember, yeah. and he's now the race he, is on. Yeah, he's the race is on and I'm just thinking, Oh shit, I don't wanna lose. So and I, I don't know yeah, if you I don't know if you remember that coach, but he was like two for eight from the foul line at that point. And I'm thinking at oh, that. I didn't even know that. I, uh, I not remember that. I'm thinking at that point, just just catch the guy, and if you know, if you can foul him, make him go make free throws to beat yeah, us. Right, yeah. And if you can catch him, block but, his shot.
3: <laughs> I swear, it looked like slow motion, Pike. I'm watching. I'm, I'm looking where he is, and I'm saying he makes that way We just lost, and I see Bruce coming like a big racehorse, <laughs> big stride and I'm measuring where it is, and I'm going, he, you know, I'm thinking he might get it. And you went up like a, oh, like a high jumper. It just pinned it, right?
2: Yeah, I was able to get it off the glass right as time expired.
3: Yeah. Oh, man. Was, I, I thought that was a pretty, they went berserk. You know what I mean? They, they would. you know, Kans never likes to lose the husk, but, no. you know what I mean? Oh, boy, I really thought that was a good play. But I was thinking of great plays with you, Goose, on that. You know, that's effort. You know what I mean? Right. The work. Pike, you know, I'm looking at your numbers and stuff. But you were like Steady Eddie. You average 10 as a freshman, and you just started
1: moving up each year, right? Yeah, that's that. that was that. You that was your blueprint for me. Remember, just told me I shirt well, and then that's what I you'll I get you get better every year. When you,
3: I remember redshirting, and you thought I lost my mind, <laughs> you know what I mean? but, and then you know, I just felt you know that was the best thing for you coming from where you were coming from, and then each year. You and Bruce got stronger, better, better, better. And then your your fifth year, I mean, you you were a horse. And then getting drafted, uh, you know, I always thought you could play and were going to be a pro and, you know, and make it. But I never thought, you know, you were going to go that high and you were going to stay in the league, you know, for as long as you did. I mean, that's a credit to you and how you took care of yourself and learned how to operate in the NBA. I mean, that, that was just... A great deal. Have you started collecting your pension yet?
1: No, no, no. I'm not going to touch that thing till I get get in my sixties. have let I gotta let that thing grow. Oh well, I'll tell you. I mean, it's
3: it's going to be a, a, a nice little nest egg. I'll tell you that. I mean, that's great, and that's great. So you two guys are, are doing. I wish I could be there more in in Nebraska because I I would enjoy being around you guys now. You know, what I mean, and looking back at, at everything because. Whenever told me I was going to talk to you, I, you know, I was doing yard work or something. Yesterday, um, I talked to uh, Mert Mert Oden yesterday, okay. and then he called me today. And so Nebraska was on my mind, and uh, I'm just as the NCAA starts coming, and I think of those teams that we had. I mean, holy mackerel! I mean, that was the greatest times of my life. There's a the and you two were, you know, you were just soldiers, you know, good soldiers that would just came in shirt stayed five years, did everything right, got your degrees. I mean, it was, it was pretty. It was a pretty good run. I appreciate everything you did for the Nebraska basketball because you guys really, in my mind, are two of the foundations of that program. You know, now Bo Reed and Rich King. You know, they started it the year before, but it was people like you guys that came in and redshirted and that we just started really, hype Bruce, to get competitive. We were, we were getting good. We Beaten Kansas beaten Missouri or beaten Oklahoma I mean any of those teams before that man I, I don't know if you remember the first couple of years we were there I was there I think mean, I mean Oklahoma one time came in and pressed us in the Devaney Center from, put the ball and they might have been up 40-50 points by the end of the game I mean it was just ridiculous and then my run-ins with Norm were the same way I mean, oh man they didn't want to beat you they wanted to kill you yeah. you know what I mean so it really got Got intense, but it was, it was really
1: a lot of fun. Well, you know, speaking of those Oklahoma teams, in my, if my memory serves, I always thought they were the most fun team to play because the yes, way, their style remember, of basketball, yeah. the way they would get up and down the floor, it was yes, it was I run know. and gun, and it was so much fun to play against Billy Tubbs' teams. Well,
3: Pike, we, you know, your freshman year, we put up 100 twice on them yeah. 113 and 109, I think, once in Lincoln and then once down in the, Norman. Yeah. the big the Big 8 Tournament.
1: I, I think we broke 100 both times. I mean, it was just, I mean, that's the way it was. One of the I things think. that sticks out in my mind is, is our senior year when we, when we ran them out in the first round of the Big 8 Tournament yeah. was, <clears throat> in, in so, some interview after the game, it was, I couldn't yeah. believe that I heard Billy Tubbs say that he made a mistake and they couldn't <clears throat> run with us. And I'm like, I cannot believe Billy Tubbs he just said, said he, he couldn't run, run with Nebraska. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's really cool because,
3: um, you know, I mean, they were, you know, they all those great great players through the years but i don't you guys remember how good mookie Blaylock was at Ricky Grace? yeah do you remember that i yeah, mean that those are two they had all these they have athletes and players i mean and they just got after it you know what i mean they talk about trey young now i think back to some of those Obama players that we played again yeah, they were good. bigger stronger faster you know what i mean they
0: were really good. Oklahoma, I, I enjoyed playing against Oklahoma. You're right on that. Hey, Danny, uh, let me interrupt for just a second. You, you had a great soundbite, and I know Bruce knows it by heart, so I'm going to let him share it. When, when you went down to Oklahoma in 1991 and ran them out of the of the Lloyd Noble Center, uh, you walked into the press conference afterward, and uh, Bruce, you remember what he said? The Ghostbusters line? No, I don't remember. We came, we saw, we kicked their ass. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. No <laughs>
2: well, you, you
3: know, like uh, one time up in Lincoln, Billy Tubbs walked into my press conference. You know what I mean? And you know, and I was complaining or whining about the, how much they ran up the score. And he said, "Go get me! Stop whining! Stop complaining! Go get better players! Go recruit better players!" Okay. And that won't happen. <laughs> uh, like, I turned beat red, you know, because he was 100% right, you to right. That's what you gotta do, get better players, but Tubbs too much in Oklahoma. Yeah, but I love beating them. any time we did.
1: We didn't beat them enough. Well, you know, it's, it's funny now, we're talking all these years later, uh, and it'd be nice if you could come back, get, get back here anytime during the winter. Kinda of makes me feel old to say, we you you can watch our kids play now, because I we have kids in high, I have actually one in college, and I have one playing in high school, and uh, I, I, see, I see Bo Reed all the time. Bo uh, actually lives in the, in the same neighborhood that we live. He's got kids that are, that are in college and high school. So uh, you, you might get a kick out of watching our kids run around. Oh, uh, I would. I, I, uh, I mean, I really would like that. I would like to do that. Because um, now, are they boys or girls? Well, I have a daughter down at Arizona State, and then I have a son who yeah. is uh, a junior in high school right now. Um, what high school does he go to? He goes to Elkhorn South High School. Okay, Elkhorn South. Yeah. Is he a player? He's, he's all right. He's getting better. He's got he's got he's got to keep working at it. Yeah, you got. But I'll
3: tell you this. I'll tell you both. You got to help them more. I didn't help my kids enough, Patrick, or or Kevin. You don't know, realize it. How fathers helped them. I mean, you really have to jump on board and get in the car and take them to the games and get them out in the driveway and work them on all the things that you know what to do that, that make you a better, help them be a better player. They'll appreciate it. Now, what level they reach is, is up to them, it's, but you got to help them because the AAU guys and the, the other people, they don't teach fundamentals. They don't teach them how to play. They play games, but, you know, I mean, they don't teach them how to play. Play defense, rebound, boost. You know, you gotta, you gotta sit down with your kids and give them the fundamentals of a free throw, how to complete a pass, you know, and getting someone shit, you know, and get after them once in a while,
2: you know, defensively. But kids that don't learn how to compete like you guys competed. I'll no. tell right now, I coach AAU,
3: and the reason I do it, I got a seventh, eighth, and ninth grade teams. All I'm talking about is attitude. You know, working hard. You know, compete. Leave. Forget the referees. Stop whining. Stop worrying about who's the leading scorer. You know, let's find a way to win the game, you know? And mm-hmm. you'd love playing for me, because, like, I do the dribble drive stuff, you know what I mean, like, exchange pass and cut. You no know, motion offense, but it's dribble drive is big here in the East. And man, I just get those kids going, and when they look over at me, I turn away. You know, if they shoot an air quality, I just look the other way, man, you know? Like <laughs> say, who's the shooting coach? <laughs> like, I don't care, but I want them to play hard. Man. The kids come to practice, and we have practice, we, we and Bruce, every full-court drill that you remember us doing, I'm doing with these kids, and they're anywhere from uh, 12 years old up to maybe 16, 17, but, man, when they leave, they're soaking wet. And the fathers and mothers think it's the greatest thing since iced tea. And the kids, I mean, go... Oh, we don't have to do that drill again, Coach. We don't have to do that drill again. And, you
0: know,
3: it's, it's kind of funny. I almost am tempted to put garbage cans at each end of the floor and see if I can get someone to throw up. Pretty you know I mean? To, to make them work hard. But it's, it's the only thing I do that I really enjoy except drink beer.
2: I hear you. That's I started. Uh, I started assisting my dad about uh, oh, seven or eight years ago, full time. So, oh, so I'm. Your dad is still coaching. Bruce. Yep, yep. He's still going. He's he thought he was going to hang it up, but I think he. I don't know. I think he loves it too much to to hang it up. And I, I tell him, I tell
3: him, don't hang it up. Yeah. Don't do it. And and that you're helping him is cool. I I'd, I'd, I'd love to come. Pike, I may take you up on that next year because now I'm really. Pulling out of it, you know, i I was doing high school this year, and I'm done with that now. And I'm not going to do high school, but a little AAU in the summer and spring is okay. But I might have more free time in the winter time. And Merch said he wanted me to come out, and I, I think I would like to come out next year sometime. But I'd love to come and time it on a Friday night, or you know, sometimes during the middle of the week where I can see your kids play. That would be really, really, really cool.
1: You'd, really you'd be proud of Mert. Mert get, is getting around real well. I see him. If if you're at a Wahoo game, he's at the game. He's got his Wahoo colors on, and if the Huskers are playing, he's oh. got the he's got the red sweater on. He's right there in the middle of everything. Yeah, he calls.
3: He's the best. Yeah, he, he, I forget how old he said he was, but he we're all getting up there. He, he, how old are you guys?
1: Forty-seven. Uh, we're both forty-seven.
3: Holy crap! Yeah. See, I was trying to say I'm seventy-two now, and you know I, I think you know. <laughs> I should be in a rocking chair, you know what I mean? And I feel, you know, no way, man. I want to do all these other things. And
1: you guys are 47. I mean, you know no kids anymore. Man. Well, tell, tell me, I, how's I, your health? My my, my my dad's about the same age as you, and he he needs a back surgery, and I think he needs knee replacements. How are you doing? Uh, well, I'm okay. I had a, a little outward
3: prostate cancer, and then I had some, uh, like, little tr- I had a thyroid problem, you know, little things like that. But I, like, really fought back on them. You know, I, I try to work out, you know, I walk a dog, um, I try to stay active, you know what I mean? And then I do this coaching where, you know, I go to the gym for three or four hours and you're on your feet. And it forces yourself being around young people to, you know, stay in shape. I'm not gaining weight or anything. I just watch everything a little bit. But, um... I'm enjoying life. You know I, mean, I still like to drink beer and just not take myself too serious. I'm involved with Patrick a lot. I talk to him and Kevin every day. And I try to help Patrick with his basketball. That keeps me young. And other than that, you know, I follow you guys, I follow the Huskers, I follow, you know, other guys that I know in the, in the business. But um, I'm glad I'm not in the guy. I'm glad I'm not Rick Pitino I'll tell you that. <laughs> 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 I don't care how much money he has.
2: I wouldn't want to be Rick Petino
0: for all the checkers TH. Hey Danny, I, I don't want to don't want to let this conversation go without uh, asking you guys about the the nineteen ninety four Big Eight tournament, which is you know really the the highlight of the program's history. Uh, that weekend, uh, c- can you describe what that meant to you to to win that tournament with these guys and and riding back oh, on that riding back on that bus to Lincoln? Rise, yeah,
3: the whole thing was, uh, I, Pike, that night, did we all end up at your house?
1: Well, that wasn't that night. That was that was our Christmas party that you guys crashed. <laughs> oh, Christmas. yeah. See, I yeah. Thought that was the same night. No, you know I, mean? uh, I, I that... wasn't sure. Okay, that was a Christmas party. I'm a little mixed up on that because I get
3: that party mixed up with um, coming back from that trip, winning, and just the crowds out there. We went to the Petty center, and then we had a, You know, we were just tired, and then we have to jump on a. To go to New
1: York to play pen, right? Right.
0: That's correct. Yeah. That's
1: okay. Okay.
3: Where
0: we just never got our legs. Danny, you know, da- back. Danny, hold on. Er- Eric's going to tell the Christmas party story.
1: <laughs> All right. So <laughs> so here's <laughs> the deal. So
0: you had <laughs> gotten upset
1: because you told me that none of the kids on the team could party as well as I did because they didn't recover well. So you forbid everybody to, par- to have parties and go out and drink and go around town to bars. So we decide we're going to have this secret Christmas party at our house after the last game right before Christmas break. Smitty found out about it. So, we go ahead and we get all dressed up in suits and it's a jumpin' party. And uh, lo and behold, about 11 o'clock, here comes the entire Nebraska coaching staff with their wives dressed up, each of the coaches carrying a case of beer on their shoulder, <laughs> and you guys end up staying there till about 2 in the morning, and at 2 in the morning there's a knock on the door and everybody says, the cops are here. And you say, well fuck, let's go talk to them. So, you put your arm around me and we walk outside and uh, the Lincoln police just start laughing and said, you know what, I'm just gonna let, just just keep doing what you're doing. And they turned and walked away and we went back in and partied some more. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I don't remember that. Thank yeah. And the next I morning really I got like up with a hangover God. and I went to the Lincoln airport and jumped on a plane and went home for a Christmas break for about three days.
2: Yeah. True story. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I, I think
3: that's a good story. I mean, I, that's what life is. You know what I am mean? glad you remember. I mean, I'm glad we had some good times. Cause I don't oh, yeah. remember remember all
2: the times I was screaming at halftime or after the game about something. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh. Th- those are those are a lot funny when you're 20 years older than when it's going on. Now let me tell you. I yeah. told. Uh, I. We're on a I, podcast, so I can tell this story, Coach. But I, I uh, one day yeah. on Facebook, I, I, uh, sent Patrick a message, and I said. Patrick, I said, I, the older I get and the more I'm around these kids, I find myself using your dad's material. And he said, okay, what specifically? And I said, well, I gotta, I gotta send a private message on that. I can't, I can't put it out here. So, so I told, I said, it's the one about excuses are like assholes. Everybody has one and they all stink because the kids ultimately will throw something at me like, oh, I, I thought we had it uh, yesterday. And so I stayed at home and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, would you like me to tell you my college coach's uh, uh, opinion of yes. excuses? Excuses, yeah, And they, makes, they all say uh, no. And I say, too bad, I'm telling you anyway.
3: <laughs> that's, you know, um, there's a lot worse than that, though. Too. You know, so I,
2: ah. I,
3: I, that's the only thing I regret, that I, I didn't get a little better in my choice of vocabulary.
2: <laughs> ah, That's the spice of life. That's the yeah, spice it of is, life. But
3: it's not right. It's not right. You know, you know I, I blame part of that on Brooklyn, and I blame the other part of it on being in the Marine Corps and being in Vietnam. Because you can't talk
2: in normal language in either place. No. You know, what I, mean? It's just, you know what I
3: mean? The four letter words are, you know, the different things in the service are, are ridiculous. And then in, in Brooklyn growing up, I mean, you know, it's just how it was. You know, those words were used, and they're not the right words by any means. But um,
2: that's how it is. Eh, Time and place I mean sometimes for 18 through 22 year old kids The only way you can get through to them Is to let them have it
3: I I, I agree I try really hard now Bruce Never you know to use the You know the the big F and uh, Stuff like that And, And the referees you wouldn't even think I'm the same coach I don't I look at them I stare at them You know what I mean I stand up sometimes I just stare at these AAU guys and I go, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. Come on. And sometimes, I, you know, I get some calls. Sometimes I don't. And then after the game, I, I go up to them and sometimes I just say, you know, today, guys, you guys really sucked. You've you got to do it better. You're taking that paycheck and going home, man, but you left at halftime. you got to call fouls. you got to call fouls. And that's my big complaint. They don't call fouls. You'd enjoy watching it. It's kind of hilarious. Sure. Sure? Um, hey, look, it was great, though. I, I was so happy, fight, but I, I'm going to try to take you up on that, Bruce, next year. And right. I'll, I'll communicate. And we'll get something going. And I'll get Janet and we'll, we'll jump out there. Come, and I'm going to do that. Um,
2: come and watch sign on a Friday. Come watch our team on a Saturday or vice versa.
3: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, but I want to see the kids play. Like, I think that's a great, great, great idea. And
2: then we'll have a beer Absolutely. after.
1: We'll have a bunch of beers after. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Coach, it was great talking to you. Yeah,
2: you bet. Hey, thank you. Say hi to, hey, say hi to both your dads and moms and everything in the
1: family, please. We will do that. We'll Absolutely. Do.
0: Thanks, Coach. Thanks for listening to Where I Come From. I encourage you to read our entire Danny's Miracle series online at omaha.com. You can access our full library of podcast episodes on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you have ideas for episodes or feedback on the podcast, please email me at dirk.chatelaine at owh.com. Thanks to Bird Creek for the music. Thanks for listening.